Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Claire Marquick, and this is Real Life Business. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the show. If this is your first time listening, then thank you so much for lending me your ears. And if you are back for another episode, thank you again for your continued support. If you're in business and like me, wear many different hats, then this is the show for you. If you're wanting more time, more money, less stress, more control, this is the show for you. Join me each week for a blend of conversation and solo episodes where we get real about business and talk about how best to navigate that emotional and financial roller coaster we find ourselves on without driving ourselves mad. This isn't your average small business podcast, but then who wants to be average? You ready? Let's get into it. Now, before we do, I just want to let you know of a unique opportunity I have open right now. I am in the midst of developing the Real Life Business Hub, an online platform combining self-paced business development content with regular group coaching calls and expert masterminds. I have a small group of business owners in there right now working through the content as I upload it and guiding me as to what would be really valuable to have in there. Now, I have a limited capacity for a few more beta hub members. So if this is something that you are curious to find out more about, head on over to reallifebusiness.com.au forward slash hub to find out all you need to know. All right, let's get into the episode. Here we are with episode number 30, and this week I am chatting with Varium McGann about picking ourselves up after we've been knocked down. Vary is a Scottish Kiwi living in Melbourne and is a certified ICF coach. Prior to starting her own business, her career in leadership and events management spanned 10 years and multiple countries and saw her working in a castle, a museum, a zoo, and at an Olympics. After a career-crushing redundancy, Vary met her first coach and her whole life started to change. I'll let her continue the story, so sit back, relax, and enjoy. Vary, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate it. And in fact, we're on a bit of a back-to-back recording marathon, aren't we? Because I've just we've just finished recording um, an interview where you interviewed me for your show. So I'm loving the fact that um, we can share a bit about ourselves and what we do with each other's audiences. So welcome. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. And yeah, blockbuster afternoon for us, everyone. Why don't we start off for um, for people listening in who, who haven't come across you before, why don't you share a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Amazing. So I'm Barry. Um, I'm a Scottish Kiwi. I've lived in Melbourne for four years now. Um, I have my own coaching business. So I'm an ICF certified life coach and I help women to take courage, so brave action with confidence and heart in their career or their business. That's what I do now. And I guess how I got here. Yeah, that um, was my next question. Yeah. <laughs> so I originally wanted to be a scientist. It's what I went to uni to do. Wow. Um, only because it was my favorite subject in school. There was no other reasoning. I was 16 when I had to make a choice. So that was it. Um, so I discovered that wasn't for me. So I then discovered that events and event management and leadership was what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So yeah, basically from 2000 and 
nine um, being an unpaid intern. I then worked my way up until 2019 to being a national operations manager. And that was a decade of working in Edinburgh, working in London, working in Melbourne. Um, I've worked in a castle. I worked at the London 2012 Olympics. I've worked in museums, in a zoo for a World Cup. That was my um, career. And the whole, the part of that I loved the most was developing and helping other people and seeing people succeed and overcome challenges and I guess being a really great example as a leader, as a woman, as a person in leadership to everyone around me to help people do better. And that's ultimately what led me via two redundancies to the coaching world. That was, I, I love how you're preempting questions. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's such a, that sounds such a varied, dynamic, exciting career. How do you, how do you go from that to your own coaching business? Like there, there must've been something that happened there. <laughs> yeah. So um, I moved to Melbourne in 2017 um, and then at the start of 2019, went through a very sudden, very badly managed redundancy, right. not one done, let's say the way that fair work would suggest it should be done. Okay. Um, and I think like most people, no one really teaches you about redundancy. No one really talks about it, right? Like yep. I'd seen somebody get a great redundancy package, but when they were about three years away from retirement, so it's not quite the same thing. Um, and I was just shocked and confused and blaming myself. And I didn't, I didn't even tell, like my parents are my best friends for a couple of days. So I didn't wow. really know what to, like what to say. Um, but one of the first people I told um um, Ali, who's a great friend who runs a women's networking uh, membership. And I just said to her, I was like, I just, I don't know what to do. And I feel terrible. And I just, I'm just at a loss. And she actually said, you know, we've got some really, really great coaches in our membership. Why don't you just have a chat with one of them? And that's maybe a great starting point. And I was like, yeah. okay, don't really have any expectations around this, but we'll see like how we go. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I was like, sure. Um, and I had my first session with my first coach and literally like my mind was blown in the way that she spoke to me, the way that she has space for me, the way that even in an hour, like I realized so much of like the untrue story. I was telling myself about what happened and what I really wanted and that there were things that I wanted to do that were so much bigger that I didn't quite, I guess, have the courage to even admit to myself at the time. Mm. Um, and I had... An amazing few sessions with Jane and then I started doing a lot of work on like purpose and life plan and what was next and it came out really clearly that coaching was what I wanted to pursue yeah so this was sort of mid 2019 and then I got offered this amazing 18 month contract um in the events world and I was like perfect 18 months of like sorting my shit out figuring out what I'm gonna do how on earth do you start a business like who do I want to work with like coming certified I was like great so I was kind of doing some work in the background in this new contract role and then 2020 happens and by the middle it was quite clear that probably all of my team and probably also me was going to go through redundancy so the plan was to work until the end of 2020 in this role take January off this like beautiful holiday and like <laughs> refresh myself and then February the 1st 2021 was going to be the day 
But um, in August 2020, I mean, the whole team found out we were all going to go through redundancy. Um, so in September, I was like, well, I don't really have anything else to do. And I've got this great redundancy package and I almost feel ready. So that's ready enough. So exactly. I jumped in about six months earlier than I'd ever planned to. But yeah, that's how I got here. Isn't it funny how the universe can have intentions for us that we don't always realize and it might there, there might be subtle clues that have been dropped along the way and if we don't hear them we don't see them we don't act on them something big happens and sometimes you know that that might be a really traumatic time at work it might be a, um, an accident an illness or whatever you know it can sometimes be something really bad can't it and in your case a, a second redundancy but if that was the kick up the butt that you needed like you say, we'll never actually feel ready to do anything, will we? And sometimes we just need that little nudge. Yeah. And it's amazing when so many people have asked me over the past couple of years, you know, how, how did you decide to take the leap? And I'm like, mm. oh, I didn't get to decide. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was I was given a date. I was out. That was that was it. And I think it it almost made it easier because I was like, OK, that's it. I kind of had the background work done. I know what I want to do. I, you know, I've, I've got this package that's a great support for a few months while I figure out what I'm going to do. So yeah. I just went with it. Onwards and upwards from there. Exactly. So, so now you, you, um, you operate full-time in your business, um, working with women to help them take the bold action that, that the universe nudged you to do. And well, you, you still had a decision to make, didn't you, ultimately, because you still could have put stuff in the way. You could still could have said, no, I'm not ready. Um, I'm going to go and find another job or whatever it might be, or I'm just going to sit comfortably on this redundancy package for a while. So let's give yourself some credit. You did still make the decision. <laughs> I did make the decision and there was sort of an option to stay on part-time and to do some other things, but it wasn't there was part of events that I loved which was like the big international sporting events um and what I would be doing would have been something else that just like I could do I'm good at it would have been fine but it wouldn't have inspired me it wouldn't have energized me it would have just I think got me feeling that I was comfortable enough to kind of just keep moseying along and not do anything so yeah, yeah. I think it's a really that's a really big distinction what you've just made there about the there's stuff that we can do that we can do it quite frankly like we can do it we can do it easily um we're comfortable doing it it's it's safe but if it doesn't light us up if it's not the thing that gives us energy it can be really draining can't it and then it starts to impact all other areas of our life as well yeah exactly yeah, yeah i think um so it's uh, yeah very very bold um very bold decision to make <laughs> So what do you find when you're, when you're working with um, women now, what do you find is sort of the biggest, the biggest stumbling block or the biggest roadblock, the biggest way that the, the most common way that they hold people hold themselves back? Yeah, good question. So I think the main, um, I guess, stumbling block is that we've almost been conditioned to copy what someone else is doing or to listen to someone else and to just let someone else take you down this path or this method this whether it's like a career path or a blueprint for starting a business or a way to move up in an industry or a way to be a leader or 
you know, a way to stand out as a woman in the workplace. Mm. And actually, I think what the biggest thing coaching has taught me and that I see women now having, I guess, the big kind of light bulb breakthrough aha moments of is if you just let go of what everyone else is trying to make you do and be and act and just listen to yourself and listen to your intuition, like, what do you want? What feels right for you? What would you actually really love to do if everyone else would just shut up about it for a second? (laughs) And it's amazing that I had a client um, last year whom we were talking about kind of her sort of specific challenge in this area. And she's like, you know what it is? It's this one sentence this teacher said to me when I was eight. And I was like, we've been carrying that around for the past 40 years, have we? And she was like, yeah, that's why I'm not doing that. And I was like, "Mm, okay. Um, Yeah, and I had another client this year who had been in this, this career and done really well for the last, I think, 20, 25 years. Um, And then was like, I didn't really want to do that though. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, people just, you know, especially hopefully we're now progressing out of this as a society, but definitely for parents and grandparents generations, especially there are certain things. It's almost an acceptable career to go into and it's approved by everyone. Everyone's sort of like, oh yes, good choices. Um, But you know, that's probably not what most people want to do. And it's just figuring out before, I guess before you started listening to everyone else, what did you really want to do and be and how did you want to show up? Yeah, I think um I think that's such a common thing. And and I have to say that there was even like there was even an element of that for myself. You know, I really didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left school. And I don't think many of us really do, do we? And like you said, you know, you just sort of picked something um because it was you know something you enjoyed and what you were good at and yada yada. And I I tried to keep I kept things really vague. I was like, well. If I study business and economics, then it's really open and it kind of leads the um, leaves the world open. And and then I was then I was thinking, you know, what's what's a good job that I could do from here, kind of thing. And and there's a whole story behind how I fell into accounting, and and that's not for now. But um, I felt like, you know, oh, I've made a grown up choice. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've made the right choice. And you know, and, and energetically over the years to start with, it was, it was awesome, but then the energy started to drop off and, and I realized it was a complete conflict to, to the sort of person that I was. And it, it is really, really fascinating, isn't it? That it does still happen even now, like you say, it probably happened a hell of a lot more generations ago, but it, it does still happen. What advice would you give to anyone listening to this who is thinking, well, shit, that's me. Like <laughs> that, that's exactly me. <laughs> would you say to someone going who energetically it doesn't feel matched to where they're at right now yeah so I think if you're already in that place and you've been doing it for a while and you're having that realization I think just take even like an hour turn everything off like stay away from people just sit with yourself in a really comfy place and just say like okay so a whole day a whole week a whole year whatever you're able to visualize like if I could do anything with my working life what would it be um And for me, it's not so much maybe the actual thing that you're doing, but for me, the questions that work better are, what do I want to be saying to my loved ones? What would I love the people I work with to say to me? You know, what people, what would people say in my eulogy about my career? What do I want to be saying to myself and ask yourself those slightly bigger questions Mm. and then try and work backwards into like, okay, well, what would make me say to myself? I'm really proud of myself. And what would I get to say to everyone I met? I'm doing the work that I 100% know is what I'm supposed to do and I'm helping the world in a way I want to help them. And 
if you've never been encouraged to be quite as expansive as that can be quite daunting but absolutely have a little bit of a diddle or a draw or a plan or a mind map whatever works and just try and figure out your own thoughts oh that's awesome that's that's such great advice and I I don't know you've probably found it as well it's really really easy to articulate to just talk about things that we don't like and to talk about things that aren't working and things that we want to change but when we flip it and we say okay well what do we want instead what do I want to do instead that's a really hard question to answer a lot of the time isn't it and we've almost got to we've got to train our brain to being able to answer that because I don't know, I'm a firm believer that if we can't articulate it, we can't have it. So I think that's a great way, particularly coming at it from the angle of, well, what would so-and-so say about me? Um, or how would I feel about myself? Kind of distancing ourselves from it slightly. It kind of makes it a bit easier to write something down, doesn't it? It does. And I think the exercise that really helped me was if you, you know, get a big bit of paper, whiteboard, chalkboard, whatever, and write down everything you think you could want from a career or a business, like write it all down, post-its, whatever. And when you think you've come to the end of your list, make a little space or a column for like absolute non-negotiables mm. of what you're not willing to bend on. And it's interesting. I was actually looking at mine the other day that I did a couple of years ago. And it's things like actual breaks away from your desk, being able to walk to work or get public transport easily to work, like being able to see sunshine from where I'm working, like be able to have real conversations with people, never to have to bend on what I think is an ethically and morally correct way of working because someone else thinks it is. I love that. It's um, sometimes, and it's funny how we spoke about this earlier as well, like it's this really simple things, isn't it? Like it, we, we can overcomplicate things in our mind, particularly if we're going through a bit of a, a challenging time or something. We can, we can think that the solution to it is this crazy, complex, convoluted thing when really it's like, seriously, get a sticky note, get a pen and a packet of sticky notes and just <laughs> write things down and stick them on the wall. Or like you say, stick them on a piece of paper, just write stuff down when we get stuff out of our head it's it just makes things so much clearer doesn't it exactly. yeah I'm curious because you are down you are down in Melbourne and this season of of my show is all about um, resilience and picking ourselves up when we get knocked down so um, I'm sorry if this is going to sound like a really negative doom and gloom but let's just recap <laughs> there was there was um, a really messy redundancy. There was the opportunity of an amazing job. And then there was redundancy number two. There was going into business, feeling slightly not ready, but kind of excited. Then there was COVID. And then there was all the lockdowns and all the mental, emotional challenge that you guys have gone through down there. How do you, how do you manage that? How have you kept yourself sane through all of that? Good question. I think, yeah, we get to wear the, the badge of the world's longest lockdown with not very much pride. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that's the other thing. Um, so when I started full time after redundancy two, we're talking September 2020, and Melbourne was in our like big second hard lockdown. Like we could only spend an hour a day at the house. Um, that was it. Couldn't really see anyone or do anything. And I was like, oh, that's great. It'll give me like a couple of months to like start everything out and then it will never happen again. Now we know that's not quite the case and it's happened <laughs> again and again and again. Um, and we're done with that now. No more. Um, 
but I think yeah I think the thing for me is part of the work that I did after redundancy one when I was such a mess is what I've kept going back to when Mm. you know we've talked about um redundancy two or like first eight nine months after redundancy one like my partner and I were like literally 10,000 miles away from each other I had to move house like you know I hadn't lived in Melbourne long enough to have much of a like kind of established close network yet it was all very shaky and then all the lockdowns and I think the things I always go back to and it's it's difficult at the start but once you get into the habit of it it can be much easier Hmm. is to figure out what the most recent setback hurdle lockdown (laughs) hasn't impacted and try and make sure that when you feel on really shaky ground or really insecure really unsafe like what are the things that will never change Mm. and for me a lot of it and especially I think you know you really you realize who your true friends are when you're in a really bad place like that's when it really shows um and a couple of days after the first John when I'd finally kind of started to tell people it was like my partner sent me loads of books to read in my spare time that arrived on my doorstep the same time as this beautiful big bunch of flowers from like my best friends in the UK and like just the effort people made wow um and I think for me, it's coming back to like nothing that happens will ever take away like the way my parents feel about me, the way my best friends do, the way my partner does, the way I feel about myself, the way that really close network does. And also, no matter what happens in life and work in lockdown, like no one can take away my 10 years in leadership. No one can take away what I've learned. No one can take away the resilience I've built up in that stage. No one can take away my opt- optimism. No one can take away my humor. No one can take away the strength I built up. Mm. So I think anytime I start to get into a place of like, oh my God, this has been taken away. I'm like, no, but here's what hasn't. Here's what nothing else has the power to touch. And it's circling back to that every time. That's really, really empowering. I love that. That's 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 so great. And it's funny, like something you said there, I've heard it, mentioned a lot particularly around people who have um, lost a job or have uh, are contemplating a career change you know for example you know there's there's a lot of people I I left my career at 37 um, and I went through a lot of I went through a lot of mental shit I'm like you know I've been I went to uni I've done like postgraduate study I've been I've worked from the graduate position right the way up into leadership I'm like I can't stop now like what a waste like if I go and change and go and do something else now what a waste but exactly like you've just said like we can't unlearn any of that no one can take any of that experience, any of those skills, any of those learnings, like they, that can't be taken away, can it? And it just becomes the, an elevated platform that we then, you know, march forward with the next thing that that we're doing. Exactly. And I think it's it's often people's reactions. So one of the first people I called after my first redundancy was my friend who's also a recruiter who actually got me that job. Um, and I wasn't sure of his reaction, but I wanted him to find out from me before he obviously kind of heard through the industry grapevines what was happening and he was so angry like so furious and enraged but like how dare they treat you like that I'm never placing another candidate there I'm never working with that company I'm never going to go there I'm never giving them my money like how dare they treat you like that and I was like okay wasn't what I was expecting but I'll take that (laughs) absolutely (laughs) makes you feel better on the inside (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned um, in terms of 
Um, in terms of deciding on a, on a new career or developing your business, you mentioned identifying non-negotiables. I like to, I like to ask all my guests about that in terms of how, how they operate, how you operate yourself um, to be able to operate in your business. What are some of the, the things you've learned about yourself and therefore some of the non-negotiable rules that you've had to put in place to make sure that you're always operating as best you can? For me, I think, especially when I was realizing that I got to design my whole work week however I wanted because no one else's schedule or meetings or hours, I was like, oh, I've never really, never really thought about this before. <laughs> um, but I think you learn, you know, quite quickly about what you can and can't do and what helps. And especially now I've been like, I can't, I can't go like gung-ho all um, fires on five days a week. It just doesn't work. I can give you four and then I'm out. <laughs> so for me, it was also then trying to figure out how many kind of client calls I could do in a week what times I was best at how I could set myself up well so I've got very clear blocks Tuesday Wednesday Thursday from lunchtime onwards that people can book time in my diary but not outside of that because I'm not a morning person but if I don't set myself up well for the day I'll just be dreadful for the rest of it Mm. so I've got a bit of a non-negotiable list for my mornings of things like um, movement mindset work meditation checking bank accounts, doing a gratitude practice, like just a few things to do. And um, I always open my documents on my client testimonials each morning before I start work just to get into that really good place. Mm. And it's all on like an online checklist. I can do it all. Um, and I used to spend Mondays um, learning when I was doing my course and my job kind of went part-time for a little bit um, before I was full-time in business. So I always kind of had Mondays up my sleeve. I've also now realized that that's my time to set myself up well for the week mm-hmm. sometimes that's by not doing anything <laughs> I've just got to listen and learn and I've just learned so much about the times of day that work best for me like what I need to do first before I can sit down and work what stages of my cycle I'm best at and worst at and what days I shouldn't try and work on I just very kind of empowering just block out my diary and I'm like, that day I'm gonna be useless so let's not even try and help anyone else <laughs> it's just not worth it <laughs> not worth it but also kind of going back through things and kind of realizing actually no that was working really well that wasn't I could do more on that day you know do I want to do a little bit of creative things every day or do I just want to have a half a day where I'm like that's my creative space and that's happening but it's been a lot of kind of I don't want to say trial and error because there's not really an error in it but a lot of learning and trying different things Mm. um and also I know if I don't like eat well go for a walk sit and do my nice checklist before I actually start work like it's just it's not going to be my best I'm not going to be proud of it so let's not even try and do it that way yeah yeah I think I'm I'm similar like I I don't I I I would consider myself a morning person or I've certainly got a lot more energy in the mornings Um, and so if I've got tasks to do that take a bit more thinking I'll do that in the mornings because I'm I'm a natural talker I like to talk I have no worries about talking so if it's if it's booking in meetings and things I'll try and keep them in the afternoons because I know like I I can sounds really might sound a bit weird but I can do that with half a brain Mm -hmm. Um, whereas if I've got to write a report or a proposal or something like that create some content I want to do that in the morning when my brain's fresher so I think that's a really key thing isn't it knowing knowing ourselves knowing how we best operate and where we can creating our business day around that obviously if we've got a bricks and mortar business that we've got to open at a set time then we're a little bit more restrict restrained but we can still put practices in place can't we to help 
keep our energy flowing. Exactly. And I think that, you know, that's going to change and evolve and that's natural, but you also have to figure out where your kind of hard boundary is. Mm -hmm. And I've had this with clients in the UK and in America and, you know, really different time zones. I'm like, I'm not going to show up and try and put you at 80 in my time because it will not be my best. It won't be your best. It's not going to work. And we have to figure out a slightly different time where you're going to get the best version of me. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes, that's quite a bold, courageous thing to do anyway, I think, particularly starting out because you'd be like, oh, I can't say that because then what if they don't want to work with me anymore? (laughs) So I think, you know, it 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 really just takes knowing ourselves, doesn't it? And and understanding how we how we can work best. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I um I I absolutely I, I love it. I want to know like the move from the UK to Australia, you know, that's a big that's a really big move in itself, mm-hmm. isn't it? I'm fascinated because given I did it as well, you know, I'm, I want to, I would love to know that story. Can you share some of that with us? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I'm one for winging it. And we've talked about this a little bit earlier today. So I'll give you a slightly cliff notes version of it, but um, to give it some context, um, 2015, I'd been in London for a few years, was kind of realizing it wasn't where I wanted to be. 2015 was a very very rough year for like all of the reasons a year can be rough it all happened in that year um and my best friend had just moved to Melbourne and it was my plan to come and visit her for a couple of weeks over new year and go to Sydney and go to New Zealand which is where I was born and you know just get to scan my Kiwi passport and they let you into Australia um so I came here for that new year and I was just like Melbourne just feels so homey and so happy and it's like all the things I think I want but London's never going to give me. And I just mm. had learned to accept that. Um, so I thought, sort of thought the start of 2016, moving to Australia, it's all happening. Um, and then I got offered an amazing role to spend a year as the GM for events at ZSL London Zoo. And I was like, right, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to move to Australia. <laughs> um, but I hadn't really like, hadn't quite made any real plans or really figured out any logistics or anything of that. Um, and then the tw- start of 2017, my New Year's resolution resolution was to stop um, using the excuse of being single to stop me doing things. Mm. And I, I was at that place in my kind of mid late 20s where most people I knew were coupled up, if not married. I hadn't had any really long term relationships um, in my 20s and I was using that and it was holding me back. So I booked my first little solo traveling weekend to Europe, which was my first big thing for that year. Um, And I just, I love the concept of it so much that I was like, right, before I do this thing and kind of get to Melbourne, I want to have like a proper solo travel experience, like do my thing. Um, And I was like, don't know where I want to go. But I bought the um, Lonely Planet, like the world guide, like, you know, the huge chunky one. I wrote myself a list of like, I think it was six or seven things from a country. So like a really vibrant culture, really amazing food, somewhere that was going to like really shake me out of the comfort zone I was in, somewhere that had like beaches, but rainforest, but like I had this big list of things. Um, And I literally went through the book through each country in order. And I was like, not going to give me that, not going to give me it, not going to give me that. And I got to India and I was like, ah, this is going to give me all the stuff I want. Um, and the more that I read and then I bought the India book, I was like, this is exactly what I need right now. So I 
booked a one-way ticket to Delhi on a really good deal <laughs> and they were trying to convince me to stay in my role and it just for a whole lot of other reasons just just wasn't right it wasn't the right thing to do and at one point the CEO actually called me and he was like give me your number you're not leaving and I was like Bill there's not a number you could literally give me right now um he was like oh god and I was like we all have to admit the fact that I'm going to leave you um so I was like okay so I want to do a few weeks in India and I originally was going to do a very kind of guided tour in kind of a group and then I realized there was so much in the southwest of the country that I just felt so called to go and spend time there so I was like nope I'm just going to do it on my own like just pick all these little bits make my own schedule um, and I knew I wanted to end up in Melbourne, so I'd booked flights via Bali, spent some time there, spent some time in the north of Australia, got to Melbourne, and I had no plan after that. That was like the end, like flying to Melbourne, crash at my best friend's house, and try and figure it out. And I just said to myself, you know, if it doesn't work out, I've got the money set aside for a plane ticket home, and I'll just figure out a different plan. But I really really want to live here and I have a passport that allows me to live here so oh, I'm just gonna hold I can to make it work <laughs> and then it worked out <laughs> that is amazing what do you think was the biggest learning about yourself through that time so the thing that I wrote in my journal which I think is actually up here on the shelf um was something like you can get yourself out of any trouble you get yourself into ah okay yeah there's a few situations along the way where I'd realized that I'd possibly push the risks of like solo women traveling in India a little bit further than was probably sensible (laughs) but I could undo it and that was fine and I think that any situation I got myself into after that where I thought no this isn't right or isn't the right path for me or something feels dodgy I was like okay but I have the power to back out of this yeah yeah and you learned to recognize what those warning signs were as well, I guess, physically, exactly. emotionally, mentally. So you can recognize, okay, maybe now it's time to take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's such um, inspirational conversation, I think. I think there's, there, there's potentially people listening to this who are just like, who might be on the verge of making a change or might be on the verge of needing something um, you know, I've certainly, certainly in our local business community, and it'll be really interesting to hear your thoughts on this being in Melbourne in a very different environment. But there's this kind of, up until very recently, there's been this kind of like, oh, this just this drain, this just like, I'm just over this. Like, I just feel so dragged down. I just, I want to come out the other side now. But even though there's that desire to want to come out the other side, the, the, the energy is not there or the inspiration's not there or the, you know, the ideas aren't there. It, it's just a bit meh, <laughs> I think, for, <laughs> for want of a word to describe it, a bit meh. Um, is, it the same, is it the same down in Melbourne or have you just got this brand new, like, vibe of, oh, my God, we're out? <laughs> well, I was going to say, the past 10 days, two weeks, we've had that vibe of, like, oh, my God, we can sit in a cafe in the sun again. Um, <laughs> but I think there is that feeling. And I think it's because it can be really common and you have to catch yourself. If you're around people who are feeling the same and you're all just encouraging yourselves to keep complaining at each other and not do anything else, and that's probably not the best for any of you in that Mm. situation um but I think the other thing that I learned from a lot of stuff leading up to but particularly in India 
was that the hardest part will get you to the best part. Mm. So the recognizing that meh part and the fixing it and the figuring out what's next is going to be horrible. It's going to dredge up stuff. It's going to challenge you. It's going to make you have really confronting conversations with people around you and with yourself. But like, it's going to get to the best part, but you Mm. don't just get to like skip to the best part. You have to do that slightly risky work in the middle. Yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. I like that. (laughs) And I think so the only the best part of my trip came after a like 20 hour train journey, which was like hours delayed because all the train lines were flooded. And then the person supposed to pick me up wasn't there. And then they were there, but then there was a monsoon and they got lost twice. And we almost drove through like a flooded um, rice field. And then like the car jumped over this hill. And then we got to this end of the muddy track and I knew I was on like the backwaters in Kerala. So there's like lots of lots of kind of riverways and things. Um, and I was staying, but this beautiful resort to stay in, like the only non-hostel I stayed in the whole time. And the guy who'd driven me in the car and got lost and it was just horrible weather was like, okay, now you have to go in the boat. So it was this like wooden canoe with this gentleman in it and him and I don't speak any of the same languages. So we're not going to be able to communicate. And he literally like threw my rucksack into this canoe, which was already a bit flooded and was like, get in with your small bag and then pointed over the pitch dark water and was like, you're going over there. And I was like, sure. What are my options at this point in life? You know, it'll be, it'll be great. My dad will have a good laugh at this. So this is when I have to call him and be like, please come and rescue me. So (laughs) I got in the boat and you're kind of trying to have a basic conversation with this other person. And we just rode for like maybe 10 minutes in this pitch dark water and then the island I was supposed to be staying on was flooded. So he threw my bags onto the island and I had to throw myself out of this flooding canoe into the arms of this random stranger on this island, hoping that it was the hotel I'd booked in because I still couldn't see because the power was out. Oh and just hoped that like that was where I was supposed to be and it was the right place and it was great. But it was just the moment where I was like, this could be the end. Like, <laughs> it's pretty dark road. You've gone down here, Barry, and we really don't know where it's going. Um, but then I got onto the island and... I got to live in my own tree house for like a few days and it's like the best food I've ever eaten. And it was the most beautiful place I've ever been to when the, you know, sun rose. The sun came on. <laughs> but um, that, that evening was, you know, the, the hardest part, but the next two days were the, like some of the best days ever. So worth it. I think that, I mean, what, what an amazing experience period anyway on its own but that lesson then becomes a great metaphor, doesn't it? Because it's, you know, you've almost got to go through the shit sometimes to come out the other side and realize the good haven't you exactly yeah I love it I think that's a very poignant place to leave it (laughs) if people want to um, find out more about what you do reach out connect say hi where can they find you yeah so I have my own podcast the courage and career show so there's loads more about my story on there um I am at Barry Coaches Courage on Instagram, which is where I hang out most online. Mm-hmm. Um, and courageandcareercoach.com is my website. Fabulous. I will post all those links in the show notes to this episode as well. So everyone can find you really, really easily. But before you go, I've got three quick fire questions yes. for you, if that's okay. <laughs> all right. Tell us about a book that you think everybody needs to read. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Oh, tell us about that one. So, They're totally not quick fire. I want to know the details now. <laughs> um, so I sit down from my shelf here. Um, I read it oh, maybe two years ago, kind of in this whole kind of figuring myself out thing. 
And I think it's the book that I wish someone had given to maybe 16 year old Vary and been like, it's okay. You are the way you're meant to be. Stop trying to make yourself into something else. Like mm-hmm. go and live your untamed life and stop. Um, yeah. Stop trying to limit what you want to do. Oh, I like it. That sounds like one for the audible list. <laughs> what about a, um, a piece of tech or an app or a bit of software that's changed how you do business? This is an interesting question because I've just come off of a week completely away from business and I've actually gotten rid of a few apps and things that I think aren't necessary anymore. Ah, um, so I think the one that I probably always keep is ClickUp, um, which is kind of like, I guess, task management is its kind of basic description, but it does so many different things and integrations and you can do so much shared in it. And it's really the thing that has helped me keep track of where I am with things of like podcasts I've got recorded and what I've got edited and scheduled and how much content I've got done and whose contract is where and what bill's been paid. And it's a really good one for the apps. Amazing. <clears throat> so I'll just sit in meetings sometimes with people I collaborate with and I'll just put things into the app. So you can make a document, a task, you can attach a document to a task, like you can send it to someone else's calendar. It's so clever. So it's gotten rid of, I guess, the actual taking notes, especially meetings, it all goes to one place. I like it. Simplification, that is what it's all about. And when we can automate that simplification, all the best. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think you've probably already answered this question, but I'm going to ask, ask you anyway. What advice would you give your teenage self? If you, could, if you could tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I think to stop listening to other people's advice Mm. and I think that the sort of big I guess professional life and life dreams that I had as a teenager everyone told me were too much and too big and to stop it and I wish that I hadn't listened and I've actually got a lot of what I thought I wanted and people told me was too much now so to listen to yourself and not others isn't that awesome it's it, but it's such a um, it's such a prevalent thing, especially when we are so young, um, and we can we can almost feel unqualified to mm. have big dreams, or that we need to listen to we need to listen to our elders, sort of thing. And yeah, I think um, good on you for striving through and ticking most of those things off your list, anyway. <laughs> Barry, thank you so much for sharing your journey, sharing your learning, sharing what you do. It's been a really awesome conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Claire. It's been wonderful to chat. And that's a wrap for episode number 30. What did you love about that conversation? Vary is someone who has got some really interesting stories and I love talking to her about some of the life lessons that she's learned from the things that she's experienced. I think one of the big things that I took away from this conversation is around our expectations. If we can have the best laid plans, we can have our career path mapped out or we can have um, plans for how we intend to grow or um, even start a business, but things are always going to go wrong and those plans don't always come to fruition exactly how we mapped them out to do. If you remember back to the episode with Jai Long at the start of season two, he said his biggest tip for entrepreneurs, his biggest sort of observation as to what makes a successful entrepreneur over somebody else 
is that they expect things to go wrong. So yeah, sure, we need to plan. We need to have we need to have a map of where we're heading, but we also need to be flexible enough and have awareness around the fact that things are going to go wrong and how we manage ourselves and how we get ourselves back into some kind of momentum after those things that knock us, that's what's going to be the real success there. Something else I picked up from um, from Vary's conversation was about how well she knows how she works best. And this is something that I did a solo episode on last week about really understanding how we tick, understanding the things that give us energy, understanding the things that drain our energy working out how we need to structure our day. What sorts of tasks do we need to do in the mornings? What sort of tasks do we need to do in the afternoons? Are we morning people? Are we evening people? Are we night owls? Do we work best during school hours? Do we like to sort of pick and choose when we work? Do we need to set ourselves up to do certain things in the morning to get ourselves in the right frame of mind to work? All these sorts of questions are things that when we understand ourselves better and how we work, we can set ourselves up for more success. So when those things go wrong, which it sounds so doom and gloom, I talk about it all the time, like we've got to expect things to go wrong. It sounds like I'm a really sort of Debbie Downer, but let's be real. Like this is about real, real life. Like shit happens. Stuff goes wrong. Our plans don't come to fruition. Our kids get sick. We can't do things. We have an argument with our partner. We have an unforeseen engine blow up in a car and you suddenly got to put money towards that that you had set aside for something else stuff always happens so we need to know ourselves and know how we can best respond to those situations to get ourselves back working on track as soon as we can I loved various tips on setting herself up for work in the mornings you know did you pick up she said she reads her test client testimonials each morning how cool is that just to really get ourselves into get herself into the mindset of you know today's going to be a great day look at all the people I've helped previously I loved that and time blocking is is really really critical as well you know block out chunks of time to do a certain task and block those chunks out in a period of the day that that's going to work best for you. So for example, I don't do my podcast recordings at four o'clock in the afternoon when I know the kids are going to be coming home from school all loud and wanting to see me. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I block that into a quiet time when I know I'm in the house by myself uh, and I can lock myself away in my little studio, block out some recording, editing I can do anytime. But the recording, I have specific blocks of time that I do that. The really big thing that I took away from Vary's conversation and when we think specifically about the theme of this episode of picking ourselves up after we've been knocked down, dusting ourselves off and getting on with things again after a disappointment, after a setback, after something's gone wrong. The thing that she said, which I think is bloody brilliant is being very, very clear on what can never be taken away from us. So yes, we can lose money, we can lose customers, we can lose suppliers, we can even lose a premise, we can lose staff members. There can be so many things that we can lose and 
If you followed me for a while, you'll know that I say a lot, you know, what we focus on is what we get. So if we focus on all the things that we're losing and all the things that we're missing out on and all the things that aren't quite how we want them to be, then that is what the universe is going to give us more of because that is where our energy is, where our focus goes, our energy flows. But the way that Vary flipped it was that she had to really consider, well, what is it even though all this has been taken away from me, what is it that can never be taken away from me? And when we can focus on that, you know, it, we can be really grateful for that and we can use that strength, that sort of inner encouragement, that inner inspiration to help us find the energy to, you know, either physically or, or, or metaphorically dust ourselves off and keep on keeping on. I also, just before I wrap up, the, the little bonus tip of stop listening to everyone else's advice and listen to our own. I think that's bloody brilliant. The amount of times I have said, gosh, I should just listen to my own advice. <laughs> when I listen to some of these podcasts back, I'm like, wow, that's really profound. And, and I think sometimes we don't give ourselves credit for what we know. Um, and I think that's a, that's a great little tip to end on, to stop listening to everyone else and listen to ourselves. So I trust you have enjoyed this week's episode. And if there is someone in your network who you think needs to hear it, don't forget to share it with them and help spread the love of real life business. Alrighty then, that is it from me for this week. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. If you're not already, jump on and follow me on socials at the Real Life Business Community. Subscribe on your podcast app of choice or on YouTube so you never miss a new episode when it drops. And get yourself onto my Real Talk mailing list for weekly doses of inspiration, business tips, recommendations and real talk direct to your inbox all the links to that are in the show notes to this episode also just a reminder that the real life business hub beta offer is open for a few more weeks so if you would love to grab one of those spots simply drop me an email send me an insta dm or go check out reallifebusiness.com.au forward slash hub for all you need to know I trust you have enjoyed this episode. Have a fabulous week and I will be back in your ears really soon. Bye-bye.